1: Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to, you. You tuned in to episode number 428 of Linux in the Shack, the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the internet today. And tonight we are bringing you a deep dive episode, finally, after a long hiatus from deep dives for various reasons. It's a bit of an unfortunate situation, but this is going to be one. And unfortunately for me, it's one of those ones where I have to do all the talking, so... <laughs> I'm hoping that the uh, the live chat listeners will pop up with questions and such so I can take a breather. We do have some feedback at the end of the show, um, but this will be a deep dive. And the deep dive topic for tonight is using WinLink on Linux, using some open source software, including PAT and RDOP. And we're going to get in and show you what software you need, where you can get it from, how to build it or install it, how to configure it, and how to use it. So, hopefully, by the end of this, you'll be able to send an email using an HF or a VHF rig. And uh, we'll hope that actually works out the way I hope it will. But before we get to all that, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Russ, K5TUX.
0: I'm Charles W5MOO.
1: And I'm Bill, NE4RD. So, that means we're all here. Yay! Woo-hoo! So, again, as I just mentioned, the topic tonight is Winlink on linux now technically it doesn't have to be on linux but you know this is the focus of the show so that's what we're going to try and focus on and i'm going to tell you about the software you need to use and how to use it and like i said hopefully in the next 30 to 40 minutes you'll become as close to an expert as i am on using the software which is to say not very much so (laughs) <laughs>
3: uh, such but, confidence well I,
1: I i will say i have got it to work so well, that's I, I the first step yeah that is that is well that was that was about the 38th step <laughs> <laughs> oh no i'm gonna I'm hopefully going to simplify that procedure for the rest of you who are listening this, to this tonight now there are some youtube videos on how to do this but i'm going to try and explain it as best i can without using visuals And it's really not that hard. It's just there's a few pieces of the puzzle you have to put together in the right pattern, and then everything should work quite nicely. So the first thing we're going to do is sort of outline the parts of the whole, the parts that complete the puzzle, that you will need in order to make this actually happen. The first piece of the puzzle is WinLink itself. What is WinLink? WinLink Global Radio Email, and this is me reading now, Winlink Global Radio Emails a Network of Amateur Radio and Authorized Government licensed Stations that provide worldwide radio email using radio pathways where the internet is not present. However, the internet can be present and you can use it to use Winlink. The system is built, operated, and administered entirely by license, licensed TAM volunteers. It supports email with attachments, position reporting, weather, and information bulletins, and is capable of operating completely without the internet. But doesn't have to licensed windlink operators and stations use both amateur radio and government radio frequencies worldwide. Support for the system is provided by the amateur radio safety foundation incorporated U- a United States 501c3 nonprofit public benefit entity. So that is the focus of our talk tonight. And it is the thing you will be able to use. Hopefully by the time we get down to the end. So the major piece of the puzzle that you're going to need to do Winlink on Linux is an application called PAT. And I'm going to rely on the other two folks, uh, Bill and Cheryl, to fill in the gaps and do some quick Googling for the stuff that I did not put in here. So um, <laughs> I got my so Google this, food ready. <laughs> right. So that's where you guys can help me get through this show. So PAT is an application that does Winlink. Now it was written, if I remember correctly, by a Norwegian gentleman LA5NTA. I think that's right. Again, Google Foo at the ready. It's. <laughs> I'm a, yeah, I, I know. It's a cross-platform winlink client, and a winlink client is what you need. With basic messaging capabilities is the primary sandbox stra- uh, slash prototype application for the WL2K. WL2K, by the way, is the abbreviation for WinLink 2000. Uh, WL2K-GO project and provides both a command line interface and a responsive mobile-friendly web interface. And that's what I'm going to focus on, not the CLI. It is mainly developed for Linux, but is also known to run on OSX, Windows, and Android hat is released under an mit license so you can use it for whatever you like however you like the next totally. piece of the puzzle
3: what's that good totally yeah his name is martin uh Heb- hebnes peterson la5 nta okay good at least i had his call sign right so <laughs>
1: um one of these days i hope to actually have a conversation on this show with mr peterson about Pat who can probably go into it a little bit deeper. And I'd also like to interview the couple of gentlemen who are the creators or the primary developers of RDoP. And we'll get to RDoP in a minute. So another piece of this puzzle, which in this actual instance, you don't have to use, but you can use is AX25. you've probably heard of AX25. It's a link layer protocol. It's built into the Linux kernel and has been a part of the Linux kernel for a very long time now. I, I don't remember when it was first instantiated in the Linux kernel, but it was very early. And AX.25 is the protocol that is used by TNCs, hardware TNCs and firmware. If you've ever used one of those, you had a MFJ TNC like I used to have for packet radio. Bill, you had a
3: Cantronics KPC, or Yeah, Cantronics, KPC3. Right.
1: So if you ever had one of those and you ever did anything with packet, usually over VHF or UHF, those used AX25. And now AX25 is implemented in the Linux kernel, and you can still use it with a hardware TNC, or you can use it with a software TNC. So it's a link layer protocol originally derived from layer two of the X25 protocol suite and designed for use by amateur radio operators. It is used extensively on amateur packet radio networks. Traditionally, amateur radio operators have connected to AX25 networks through the use of a terminal node controller, TNC, which contains a microprocessor and an implementation of the protocol and firmware. It's also been implemented on personal computers. The kernel has native support, as we've already talked about, and the computer connects to a transceiver via its audio interface. So how do you do that? What is this mysterious audio interface for packet well that's another application called direwolf we have mentioned direwolf on this show before in our digital radio uh communications episode back 294 i think something like that it's been a while so you no longer have to use a hardware tnc but back in the early days of amateur packet radio you had to use a tnc those days are gone you can now get better results at lower cost by connecting your radio to the sound card of a computer and using software to decode the signals. Dire Wolf is a modern software replacement for the old 1980s style TNC built with special hardware. Without any additional software, it can perform as an APRS GPS tracker, Digipeter, Internet Gateway, or iGate, or APRS TT Gateway. It can also be used as a virtual TNC from many other applications, including, as it happens, Winlink or Pat. Direwolf now includes FX25, which adds forward error correction in a way that is completely compatible with existing systems. If both ends are capable of FX25, the information will continue to get through under conditions where regular AX25 is completely useless. And Direwolf has been released under the GPL V2. So this is going to be an optional component, Direwolf and AX25 in our uh, discussion this evening. But the next thing is not. The next thing is RDoP. And RDoP stands for Amateur Radio Digital Open Protocol. And unfortunately, the website is really vague (laughs) about what RDoP actually is. But it's it's the equivalent of AX.25. It's generally designed for use over HF bands instead of VHF and UHF. It's not packet. It implements its own protocol. And it's a joint effort among amateur radio developers that seeks to provide a specification and implementation, both in software or hardware, for a modern, versatile, open digital protocol. And that is the piece that's going to underlie PAT and make it work and allow you to connect via soft modem, i.e. a sound card modem, to your rig to be able to send and receive and encode and decode packets over HF so that you can send your emails and your File attachments and location and weather reports and all that
3: good stuff via Windows. So this is like a non-commercial alternative to Pactor.
1: Yes, that's correct. And actually, Pat supports Pactor and Winmore and serial-based hardware TNCs and AX25 and RDoP and pretty much any other way you can send packets. So... But we're going to talk about the one that's free and new and cool, and the one that I know how to use.
3: <laughs> so, well, you don't have to have like a five hundred dollar TNC for or something, yeah? Right. Well, I don't think TNCs cost that much anymore. Well, door one does. Pack-tour a pack yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's
1: that's like commercial. So yeah. commercial, yeah. <laughs> so, so all of this is to do something that you can do with a Windows application called WinLink Express. It sort of rolls all this stuff into one thing. And it's, um, I don't know what kind of where you would call it. It's, uh, it's, it's kind of like shareware or uh, beerware. You know, it's like you can get it for free, but if you're using it, they ask for money. So you don't have to give them money, but they would like it. So if you don't want to do that and you don't want to use Windows, you can do what we're doing tonight. Let's see. Anything in the chat room Yeah, Nothing yet. Okay. So the first thing in order to get all of this working is you have to set up or not set up, but sign up. For Winlink. Now you can do that by downloading Winlink Express and only using it once to connect to the network. But basically the procedure for signing up for WinLink, which is basically getting yourself a Winlink.org address. So my case it's K5TUX at winlink.org, and it'll of course be your call sign at winlink.org when you sign up for it. The way it works is you get access to a WinLink application like Pat or WinLink Express. You connect to the network via Telnet. You could do it via RF if you wanted to, but Telnet's a lot easier. You sign in using your call sign and no initial password. They will then send you an email back through the WinLink application with an initial password. And then you connect to the network again using the password they gave you. And once you've done that, you are signed up. And then you can go to winlink.org user and connect using your new call sign and password that they gave you. And once you're in there, you can set all your personal details, and then you can change your password to something you actually wanna use. And once you've done that, you'll have to remember that information to actually use these applications going forward. It's actually pretty easy to do using PAT, but we haven't told you how to set up PAT yet, so we should probably do that. Winlink Express is Windows only. Yes, I believe that is correct.
3: Yeah, I see another alternative download. So yeah, Windows download. It might run under file, Wine. So. Who knows? But Windows. Yeah. Yeah, Windows. <laughs> yeah. Wine. Does, yeah. wine
1: does. But but we're not dealing with any of that crap. So so the first thing we're gonna do is we're gonna get AX25 set up with direwolf, and then we're promptly not going to use it. But I just I do want to go through the procedure so that if you do have a local station, a VHF or a UHF station that actually will answer. Packet near you, you can do this. I actually don't. So I have to do HF for WinLink, but you might be luckier than me, especially if you're in a bigger urban area or whatever, or a place where packet is still a thing. So Direwolf is actually in the Ubuntu repos. I think it's in the Fedora repos as well. Uh, Bill may or may not be able to confirm that. But in my case, it was an apt install Direwolf away. So that was easy enough to do. And it came with a moderately fleshed out configuration file called direwolf.com, which I put mine in slash Etsy. And there's only a couple of configuration bits you have to do in the direwolf.com file. You have to change the a device line, which is your audio device. And you have to specify it in, I think it's also format like HW colon zero zero comma zero. Um, I think, I think that's the typical also format. And, and, uh, Then you also have to set the A channels parameter and the channel parameter. I set mine to one channel and channel zero, and that seemed to work. Um, It basically makes your sound card, uh, either you can consider it a mono sound card or a stereo sound card where you're only using the left channel. Either one should work. You have to set the my call parameter to your call. Wow, simple there. And then you have to set the modem parameter to 1200 for 1200 baud. Because that's what Packet uses. And then you have to set, if you want rig control, the PTT parameter. And there are details in the direwolf.com file on how to set that. And you may have to futz around with that. It's literally a serial connection. It doesn't do a TCP link to rig control D or anything like that. So if you want to do rig control this way, it will require a USB to serial or a, a true serial connection. And that's all you have to do to configure Direwolf. We'll get to starting it up in a second. So the next part is you have to tell direwolf where it's gonna connect to AX25. And AX25, like I said, is built into the Linux kernel. So if you install AX25-apps and AX25-tools, those packages, you'll have access to all the AX25 stuff. And you only have to change one file for this to work. You have to edit etsy, or slash Etsy slash AX25 slash AX ports. And in there, it gives you a detailed look at how these things are supposed to be configured. And I see that I fat fingered a whole mess of this. (laughs) So
3: let me fix that real (laughs) quick. I'll go and confirm packages while you're doing the unfat fingering. So, yeah, okay. Direwolf is available in the Ubuntu repository, um, definitely on Focal, and I, I just tested it on uh, on Fedora as well, and it's available. There's Direwolf and AX25-Apps, AX25-Apps, and AX25-Tools is available as the same package in both Fedora and Ubuntu for our you know, non-arch users, I guess. <laughs> All right,
1: excellent. So there's, so there's nothing pre-configured in the slash Etsy slash AX25 slash AX ports file, but there are examples, and you just follow the same example. Now, to set up the way this is going to work, because Pat assumes that the AX port is called WL2K. That's what it's preconfigured for. It doesn't have to be that, but since that's what it is, you might as well make it this. So you have to enter a line that says WL2K tab, your call sign, Tab 1200, tab 255, tab 7, tab winlink. And you just put that in there and save it as the AX ports file and you're done. That's all you have to do for that one. And then we're getting onto the part what we're actually going to use that's not using packet. We're going to get to RDOP. Now RDOP has a client and it's called RDOP C. Now, there's just a link for it. It's a pre-built binary where everything, where all the libraries is included. There's no dynamic linking in it. So all you have to do is download the file called rdop and it will run. Totally legit.
3: Yeah. <laughs> there's no malware <laughs> in that, right? <laughs> well, let's hope not. I did not I bother to see
1: <laughs> what it was um, like. I didn't try and dig around for the source. I did not try and figure out what its licensing is. So if anybody wants to see if there is a source reference to this, a link to where you can download it is at the bottom, and you can see if there's any source code there. The R.C is a 32-bit binary, and there's also one called R.C underscore 64. That's the 64-bit binary. And like I said, out of the box, these just worked. They're based on cute. Everything, everything in the RDOP universe is based on Qt. The only thing I can see on licensing is that all of the stuff that it's based on is BSD licensed because that's what Qt's licensed under. So it may be that RDoP itself is also BSD licensed, but I don't know that for sure.
3: So yeah, all I don't you have see to, a license file here.
1: Yeah, I don't see one either. So all you have I did to do find is, the source, so. Oh, you did find the source. And the source doesn't have a license file? Yeah, of course I did.
3: Nope, it's on uh, GitHub. okay
1: well if you want to be a little safer about using rdop you can actually build it from the source and not not build the downloads you can at least check out the source and see that there's no malware in it but if you want to do
3: unofficial repository
1: uh, (laughs) just do it the lazy way like i did and just download the binary and put it in user local bin (laughs) then there's pat which is the the biggest part of this pie. It's the thing that actually connects to the Winlink network, but it requires those subordinate features like AX25 and Direwolf if you're using Packet or Rdop if you're using RDOP. So to install Pat, it's in the package repos. Apt install pat. And Bill is going to check for me to see if Fedora also has Pat in its repo. I would assume it would sure. since all the <laughs> all the other stuff's already there. So once you've installed Pat, it has a neat thing called configure. It's a command line switch for pat. So once you've app installed pat or done your DNF install pat, which I'm assuming will work, then you just type pat configure. And the configuration file is I'm not sure if it's true JSON, but it sure looks like JSON. Uh, if not, it's some other, you know, YAML-y kind of thing. But the the syntax should be pretty straightforward. Once once you're in the pat configure you're basically just editing the json file i'm going to call it json even if it's not there's only a couple of things you have to update now if you're going to use pat to sign up for winlink you you update the my call field with your call sign but you do not enter a password because winlink will send you a password upon your your very first login if You already have a password for WinLink. Then you put your password in the secure underscore login underscore password field. Then you update the locator field with your grid square, obviously. Then you update HTTP underscore ADDR if you're going to use the web GUI for PAT, and you don't like the default port, which is 8080. Otherwise, you can leave that the same. Then you have to update hamlib underscore rigs. With any rigs you want to actually control. I actually control two rigs with this. It's really, really easy if you're using rig control D, because you can just link directly to the TCP port. There should be a guide, not a guide, but an example of how to connect to the TCP port. If not the dire or not direwolf, the RDOP configuration examples are in the documentation for RDOP. A link to that is in the show notes. And if you're using a serial connection like a USB port or an actual serial port, you would put in a serial connection and name the serial port for doing rig control. But like I said, with rig control, D, this is super easy. And then you have to configure which of the underlying protocols you're going to use and which radios you're going to use with them. So if you're going to use AX25 and Direwolf, you go to that subsection and you put in the rig That you're going to use with packet. If you're going to use RDOP, which I highly recommend, you're going to go to the section on RDOP and put in the rig that you're going to control with RDOP. And if you're going to use PTT control via rig control, you have to add a parameter called PTT underscore CTRL and set it to true. That will allow you to actually key up your rig to send packets. All right. So have we bored everybody yet?
3: I think so everyone's asleep. <laughs> I was following the uh, the trail which is like just a, a zillion breadcrumbs <laughs> to try to find the uh, source code for this. It's like a reference upon a reference upon a reference for RDoP. Uh definitely looks like it comes from uh, MIT. Uh, it's definitely GPL. It does not say specifically which version, it just says GNU General Public License. And it's uh the original source code is stored at uh, rscode.sourceforge.net. But I do have a copy of all the source code, so um, it looks like it's GPL. All right, excellent. If that if that helps, <laughs> yeah. And it's sure. out of like the Teensy Teensy projects is where it's originally from. So, all right, very good. So once you've
1: set up Pat and you've set up which underlying protocol you're going to use, or multiple underlying protocols if you so desire, then you have to actually start up those underlying protocols. If you're going to start AX25 and Direwolf. Then there are a couple of steps you got to do. You have to invoke Direwolf with a dash c flag to reference the configuration file, and then you have to put in a slash or dash p flag, which will allow you to connect to it in Kiss mode. Which, if you're at all familiar with TNCs, you'll be familiar with Kiss mode. Then you have to run Kiss Attach Stroke Temp Stroke Kiss TNC Space WL2K. That actually connects direwolf to ax25 so you so you're actually linked to the ax25 protocol in the kernel you have to do that as root for some reason no matter how you set the permissions on those files they must be done as root even if you own all the files and are in all the groups and and all that crap it still has to be done as root can't figure out why but it must be and then because there are two different implementations of the kiss protocol for tnc's on my computer, it complained if I didn't do pseudo palms that's K-I-S-S-P-A-R-M-S-C one dash P-W-L-2-K. So what that does is that actually creates a port called AX0, which is an AX25 protocol port, and links it to W-L-2-K in the soft modem, which is what Pat references when it wants to connect to the packet. I can never get this to work. So (laughs) after all that, I mean, (laughs) it it runs, it does what it's supposed to, it tries to connect, but it never actually made an outbound connection. I'm not sure what I'm doing wrong. I followed all the directions. I've tried configuring this a million different ways, and I haven't seen any information that would suggest that I'm supposed to be doing it some other way. It just doesn't work for me, and I'm not sure why. I'm pretty sure the procedure is correct, uh, it must have something to do with my radio setup or whatever. So then instead, what we're going to do is what actually works, which is invoke RDoP instead of AX25. And to do this, all you have to do is type RDoP C or dot C underscore 64 or whatever you called it if you built it from source. Specify a port. The default port in PAT is 8515. So you might as well just use that. So you type RDoP C 8515. And then you can specify or not the sound card that you want to use as your soft modem. If you only have one sound card, you obviously don't have to specify this. Uh, If you have multiple sound cards, you definitely want to specify this, because otherwise you may be keying up the wrong rig, which I've done many times while trying to get this to work. And um, since I only have one antenna and two radios, I was transmitting into an empty antenna socket more times than once. (laughs) <laughs> so, don't do that luckily this is not a full duty cycle protocol so you know probably not going to burn anything up but you know just be careful <laughs> okay so once you've got ax25 and or rdop started up then you can start up Pat. you know there's two kind of ways you can start up Pat. well there's actually three The first way is you can type pat, and then you can type all the commands of the things you want to do, like connecting to a remote station on a certain frequency, on a certain blah, 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 all from the command line using command line switches. I don't recommend that. The second way is to do everything using the terminal mode, which is available by typing pat interactive. And then there's help in there. You just type help. It sort of tells you how to invoke everything. And then there's the way that's a lot easier to use which is using PAT HTTP, and that spins up a web server. And you can configure that web server to only be available on localhost, or you can make it publicly available. Its default port is 8080, and that's in the PAT configure that we mentioned earlier. I've made mine publicly available. It's still on port 8080, so I can actually connect to it right now, and I can look at my my PAT instance, and which is a good thing, because it'll help me tell you what's going on. So once you've connected to Pat on your web browser, going to localhost colon 8080 or some host colon 8080, you'll see your RDoP uh, window at the bottom, which shows you what RDoP is doing in a little terminal bucket at the bottom. And at the top, you'll see your call sign. You'll see inbox, outbox, sent, archive, and action. And action is sort of the important thing. So if you're connecting to Winlink for the first time, you will have configured PAT with a call sign but no password. So what you'll need to do is go to Action and then Connect. And if you do that, then you'll see up at the top it says Select Alias, and you can select an alias called Telnet, and that will connect to the Winlink network using your network connection as opposed to your radio. And if you do that with your call sign and no password and you haven't signed up for Winlink yet, Then it will go out, connect to the network, and send you back an email immediately that contains a temporary password. So then what you have to do is go into your terminal where you started up PAT and close PAT, like Control-C out of it, do a PAT configure again, update the configuration file with the password you just got, close that, do PAT HTTP again, and when it starts up, then reconnect using Telnet And when you've done that, then you will have established your call sign and your email address on the Winlink network. Then what you should do is you should go to winlink.org slash user, log in there, change your password to something other than the temporary one they just sent you, and then shut down PAT, do PAT configure, put in your new password, the one that you're going to use permanently, and then start up PAT again using PAT HTTP. And at this point, You can then start using your Telnet connection or your RF connections to send and receive email. It also allows you to update your position on the WinLink network so people know where your station actually is. That's one of the things you can do under the action tab because you have a compose and you have a position. So what you have to do when you want to send an email is you actually compose the email before you send it. You compose it. It sits in your outbox and then you can compose as many emails as you want before you send them, and you can then send them all as a batch. Once you've composed all the emails you want to compose, you go back to the action, you go to connect, and then if you choose Telnet, it will send all of those emails via the internet, but that's no fun because you've done all this work to get it set up for RF, linking with Pat and Winlink, so let's do it that way. So if you, instead of Selecting the Telnet alias, go to Transport and select RDOP, which, of course, is the one that actually works. It will show you your target is WL2K, which is the port you've already defined in the configuration file. And that's what you want to use. And then what you want to do, there's a tab that says Show RMS List. And if you click on that, then it will allow you to filter by band and connection type or link layer type. So what you'll do is you'll select the link type or mode of RDOP, and then you'll select a band that you think you can make a connection to another station using. Uh, for example, in my case, I've been using 40 meters to do it. Then you it will show you a list of stations that are available as gateways for your email. You choose one you think you can connect to using RDOP 2000 or rdop 500. Either one, but, you know, choose a mode. Uh, I used N5TW earlier because that's uh, a reasonable distance for me and uh, sort of within my sphere of being able to connect on 40 meters. So you click on that station, and then you click Connect. And if all is working the way it should work, your radio should key up, which mine is actually doing right now, on 40 meters, on 7.100.5, and it's trying to make a connection via RF to N5TW using RDoP, and it connected. I wish I could show you that. Uh, hopefully, Bill will actually do a, a, a follow-up to his installation procedures where he actually goes through this and uh, can show you exactly how it looks when you connect. Or, if not, I could do one <laughs> of these myself and put it up on YouTube as well. So, it made a connection. Packets are flowing back and forth between my station here and N5TW on 40 meters. And if you have messages that need to be sent, they'll be sent There's a progress indicator on the website that will show you that they're being sent. They'll move from your outbox to your sent folder. You'll be able to see what got sent, how it got sent, blah, blah, blah. And if there's any email for you, it will download from the network and it will show up in your inbox or it will say no new messages. And then once all of those packet transactions have been completed, it'll disconnect from the remote server and await you connecting the next time around when you have more email to send or to receive. And honestly, that's pretty much all there is to it. Bada
3: bing, bada boom.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's, uh, I mean, there are a few moving parts. There's no single like point and click solution for making this work, but the configuration files are pretty easy to follow. The minimal amount of configuration you have to do to get this to work is not too bad. If you're using AX25 and pack it with direwolf, you may have better luck than I've had. RDOP just worked out of the box. It was really easy, and I've been able to connect to the Winlink network via RF on four different bands now. I have, uh, I've done 40, 20, 17, and 15. So, it's pretty cool. I've sent emails this way. I've been able to receive them uh, at my normal email addresses that aren't associated with Winlink. And, uh, you know, it's it's not a great quick mode, but you know, email is not exactly a instant reward kind of mode for sure uh i do know there's at least one winlink net in the world so there there are actually nets you can get on and make contacts using winlink um it's kind of an older technology i mean some of the stuff like linpack that i looked at the latest update on that application was like in 2003 (laughs) so um it's been around for a while but you know what it still works it's still kind of interesting and to be fair, we've had people ask about how you use this stuff, so hopefully that's enough of a primer to get you going with how to get this installed and working. Minimal configuration, and I, I've sort of edited out the kinks that I had to go through to get it to work. So I think if you follow this and you know just go by the examples and get this fired up, and already have Hamlib or Rig Control working, especially with Rig Control D, you can be on the Winlink network in. Less than thirty minutes, so not too bad.
3: No, no, and I think the the HTTP interface for Pat is is a is pretty awesome. That really simplifies the interacting interacting with it.
1: It does because otherwise you have to know all of the command features and things that you want to use directly. Now you were telling me about the fact that it's supposed to do basic like failover, like it's supposed to hit one protocol, then if that doesn't work, use another protocol. If that doesn't work, actually use the internet. But I don't know how to make that work.
3: Yeah, I I've I've only I think I've only read about that. I actually haven't tried any of it, so that's your mileage may vary. <laughs> <laughs> I I just I know when I used it I only did telnet I I didn't even I didn't have the rig connected when I used Pat uh, the very first time to just to try it out and stuff like that in fact I just uh went over to the Winlink site and of course my old username and password are gone so I have to uh, redo everything which will be perfect for the video so <laughs> we'll definitely uh, uh put this all in a video um along with my series on fedora just because it's fun and uh, pat actually is not in the repository for fedora so i'll be building it from scratch
1: well there you go It's sh- i imagine it's going to be a pretty easy build because i think it's c++ yeah not a lot of dependencies either so yeah okay so i did include a couple of other projects on here because they were mentioned well one of them was mentioned in the chat and the other one i found while i was doing some research for tonight's show the first one is an application called GARIM, which stands for G or GNU or GUI, actually. It's not GNU in this case. It's GUI, Amateur Radio Instant Messenger. Now, Google, when you try and search for Garam, wants to think that you're typing Garmin. <laughs> so make sure you tell it that's not what you're typing. And honestly, if you type in G-A-R-I-M and then radio, you'll generally find what you're looking for. So this is an application. It has a GUI. It runs on top of RDoP, and it's supposed to be for doing instant messaging. It's a a pretty easy build from source. When you download it, a link to the source code will be in the show notes. When you run it for the first time, it creates uh, an example INI file in your home directory slash G-A-R-I-M. You have to edit that. it it will tell you that you have to edit it. When you start it up, it'll say, in order to run this application, shut it down, configure it, and start it back up. So the things you have to configure in it are the IP address and port that you're running RDOP on. So that is most likely gonna be localhost and 8515, which is the default for RDOP. And then you also have to adjust my call, grid square, and the info field. And there are multiple blocks in this configuration file that are called TNC because you can have multiple TNCs, virtual or physical, uh, for GRM. So if you only want the first one or, or if you only have one, just edit the first block. and That makes it simple. It's called TNC-1. And uh, when you start up GRM again, you'll see a button that says attach, and you need to attach to a TNC. In this case, it's an RDOP TNC and it'll be called TNC-1, so you just connect to that. So this, so again, this this runs to the RDOP instance. You may or may not already be running for PAT. I have not checked to see if you can run GRM or GARM and PAT at the same time. I don't know how uh, RDOP handles that. I assume it would handle it poorly, <laughs> so uh, I wouldn't do that. But you can certainly use the same instance of RDoP for both applications, just not simultaneously. And then it's supposed to allow you to send instant messages using the RDoP protocol over HF. The only problem is I did some serious digging to find out what frequencies that people might be using this on. And that information is scarce. I did dig up some information. It will be in the show notes, the frequencies that I found that people are supposed to be using this on. And I scanned around for about an hour on all of these frequencies and heard not a peep. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm assuming this is not well utilized or I just don't have the right frequencies. I guess your mileage may vary on that as well. The operation of it is really simple. The GUI is really straightforward. Once you connect to the TNC-1, which is your RDOP installation, there's buttons for sending files, downloading files, sending messages, downloading messages, pinging other stations, receiving information from other stations, just doing general listening for what stations are out there, sending a beacon, stuff like that. All the all the buttons are self-explanatory and anybody who's ever used an IM client should be really familiar with how this works. So I just included it and there'll be a link to where you can get it and the pretty thorough Uh, documentation on GRM will be uh, in the show notes course. And then the last software package I found is sort of an afterthought, is another project done by the guy who does RDoP called RDoP underscore GUI. Now, this is a pretty limited GUI. It doesn't allow you to like configure or start and stop or whatever RDoP, but what it does do is it gives you a window on your desktop which shows you what RDoP is doing, and it provides a waterfall for your rig. So when you're listening on a frequency where you might be using RDoP for Windlink, for example, it will show you if there are any other signals on that frequency. So you get a waterfall which shows you the frequency, you get a window that'll show you what stations you're connected to, what phase of the packet transmissions you're in, whether it's connecting, acting, disconnecting, sending emails, whatever. And it also gives you like a polar grid of your signal with the remote station. Uh, to use it, you download the source code from the link that will be provided in the source, or in the show notes, rather. Uh, you extract it. You do a QMake and a Make, and then a Make install, and that's all you have to do. Then you can run RDOP underscore GUI. The, the only thing is rdop underscore GUI, the way have, they have it built. Uh, again, it's built on Qt is all uppercase, which I guess technically it should be because it's all acronyms. Rdop and GUI are both acronyms, but it's just annoying that the entire, the entire, uh, command line is uppercase, but you could, you could fix that. You can change it yourself. So, so that is actually all I got, unless somebody's got a question or, a addendum. <laughs> oh
3: what what oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Or, or some smelling salts
3: <laughs> yeah wake us up here wow that's uh that's almost as uh interesting as the uh the uh, the the AX twenty five RDOP episode you did back in two fifteen <laughs> the APRS deep dive
1: <laughs> yeah which probably needs to be revisited because I think we had very little information back then so. <laughs>
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean you're in a in a semi-dead zone for packet and I think uh I think we have one digipeter I can actually hit from here and I don't have any packet devices. I'm a little out of the packet world myself. And well I you have Direwolf like twelve years ago or something like that. <laughs> yes, we can install direwolf for sure. And of course when it comes
1: to these kind of episodes where we actually go into configuration and operation of certain applications, it's really not is easy to follow unless you've got some visual cues. We have to do this all in audio, of course. Hopefully, that's enough to get you working. There, there are resources out there on YouTube, and either Bill or I is going to put up a thing, a sort of companion to this episode on YouTube, which will actually walk through the things I have described and kind of show you how it all fits together.
3: Yeah, and I will also mention that uh, that uh, KM4ACK has also done a video on using Pat as well. So on his little. Uh, Uh, build a pi project so there's quite a bit of information there as well if you're really into Pat and uh using it on your pi
1: yep very good and all of this can be done on a raspberry pi pretty much the same as i've outlined it here the only real difference is you have to download the arm versions of anything you're going to build and when it comes to rdop c the R.C. c client it's actually pi Rc c because everything's pre-built if you don't build it from source So that one, the ARM build, is called Pi R.O.P.C. Other than that, the configuration and operation is exactly the same. All right, well, that's pretty much all I've got. Hopefully, that will get you through. And if you want to try WinLink or this uh, amateur radio instant messenger project or any of the other things we've talked about, I hope this gets you to where you need to be to get all the stuff to run, whether it's on a Pi or your local desktop. And if you have any questions, feel free to email us so We'll try and answer them as well as I can for as much knowledge as I actually have about all of this stuff. Like I said, I've been able to send and receive emails, so I guess I know a little something about it, but, uh, <laughs> I'm not exactly going to call myself a guru or anything like that. So, with so are that, you I guess... sure
3: that the emails come from winlink.org or. Cause I tried sending you an email at K five T U X at winlink.org and it bounced. I'm not sure how that works. That is the email address that is supposed to go to me. Yes, yeah, it says, sender not authorized for any recipient. That's not like me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm a spam attacker or something like that, I guess. <laughs> Maybe it's
1: something I have to do with Winlink. Maybe I'm, like, expired or something. I don't know. Try no, sending so that- it to AF0SS at Winlink because I just set that one up today.
3: Oh, sweet. Yeah, know. Right. Let me do that AF0SS at winlinkl.org and we'll just send a test message test hi send Let's see if I get an insta bounce mm. I no insta bounce so maybe yeah maybe, maybe my other account is <laughs> oh, no, you Bounced. bounce got bounced
1: yeah maybe it's not winlink.org but I thought that was the address let me um, look at let me actually go into winlink.org slash user. And log in, let's see, AF0SS with the password. Password (laughs) Password123. Let's see, USA license, valid license for AF0S, verified by your licensing authority. There's all that information. If I go to webmail, yeah, it says AF0SS, and the thing says at winlink.org.
3: Interesting. Well, it doesn't like my gmail. Address or something.
1: I don't know. I definitely do not have an email for you. Let me see if I can send you one.
3: Yeah, let's try that. Let's
1: see. To W female uh, testing from Winlink. Okay, hey, I sent it. It says it was sent.
2: <laughs>
3: I are refreshing. I are refreshing. Now you did that through the website, so that should be on the. Right. There's the was no now.
1: RF involved there. The thing is, I definitely sent myself an email through rf to my k5tux at k5tux.us address
3: earlier and it worked there works. you go i got the message i'm just gonna reply TS send <clears throat> so like i'm also noticing that's capitalized but like i don't know maybe my gmail client is uh forcing lowercase on all the call signs so maybe that is the issue um email addresses are case insensitive so it doesn't matter maybe not in this case <laughs> Technically, the
1: RFC says that they must be case-insensitive. So. Yeah, I know they should be. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Doesn't mean they've actually done it properly on their side with their hack mail client. Oh, no, I got to bounce again. I'm sorry to inform you. Your message could not be delivered. Oh, wait, no, that's the other one I sent. Sorry. Okay, no, I got it. Oh, Okay, so you got the one I replied to yes. with capitals. <laughs> so i will uh i will paste the message in here into our live show chat which everybody should be in and you can see uh, my bounce message came back for the lowercase version <clears throat> oh that uh, looks like don got a same thing i got <laughs> <laughs> learn to uh email 111 that's what it is it should be case yeah, sensitive
1: so don Go ahead and try it again with uh, AF0SS, because that's the one I happen to be in right now, capitalized. And let's see how broken WinLink is, because it definitely should be case insensitive. That that actually violates the RFC if it's not.
3: Yeah, I don't know why it's not letting me send capitals. I wonder if I can edit that. Yeah, Google's forcing me to lowercase everything, so.
1: I have to. I have to
3: add an email to the accept list. Well, that so doesn't make sense. Accept if, list. if he has just sent me an email and I sent you a reply, let's see if I can. Oh, see, now I got a another test. Here we go. Let's try this. Another test. Another test. See, now if I click your email link, I get a capital version of yours. Bill Send. So you should have a second message from me coming in. We're doing this live because okay. it's fun. Nothing else to do. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, everything is bouncing for me no matter how I do it. Whether it goes to K5TX, capitalized, not capitalized.
1: Winlink.org, right? Yes.
0: Huh.
3: Did you get yeah. my second message?
1: I don't see any way to. Do I have to add? You can create a new context or import existing ones. Uh, I, I mean, surely I don't have to whitelist everything. I mean, well, how. I-
0: for instance, I did at VOS, AFOSS at winlink.org.
1: It's AF0SS.
0: Oh, that's probably the reason why I screwed up. Okay, sorry <laughs> about that. But K5TUX, K-5-T-U-X bounced.
1: Yeah, did It says sender not
0: authorized. Yes, it says sender not authorized for any recipient.
1: Okay, I, and I just did got it lowercase
0: on... and uppercase. La- upper did you
1: just go an email? The
3: bill. Yeah, the one that says Bill. So, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's an uppercase version. So that's that's, that's a, interesting. Okay. That's broken. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's very broken. Let me let me log into my K5TUX and see.
3: Yeah, I wonder if I can cheat and put in. Oh, yeah, I don't see. have any. I might have a
1: sad panda inbox on that one. So
0: check again. No, it bounced.
1: Even with yeah. K5TUX in caps.
0: Capitalized, yeah, because as as the subject line, I put capitalized. And everything, it, it said sender not authorized for any recipient. See winlink.org slash help.
1: Well, this might actually be good information if there's, if there's an automatic blacklist. You said winlink.org slash help? Yes. You may have received sender not authorized for any recipient because it came from an email account bearing a reply address that is not present on the accept list of your recipient winlink radio mail user. Not internet email common carrier. Most uh, of so
0: you have to whitelist everybody. Yeah, you have to
1: whitelist everything. I'm kind of gathering that if I send you an email that that creates the whitelist. I don't know. I I just sent you
0: both accounts new
3: emails from my uh from my secret super account, super secret account.
0: <laughs> Ooh, Bill has a super secret account.
3: Not really. Are you Are you sending <laughs> it to me or I send it to both accounts? So. Okay, let we'll me go back K- today, K- if K- you're all and see. zero
0: yeah.
3: Oh nope, I did get a failure notice on both of them. Interesting, that's just crazy. The thing is, where the hell is this whitelist?
0: Yeah, the the bounce message I got is super short. It says this is the mail system at zmx.bluegills.com. Yeah, please. Oh, send there it
1: is. I see my whitelist. Oh uh, yeah, and because I sent you an email, it added it. But oh, but everything is blacklisted by default. Okay, this is this is good information <laughs>
3: yes
0: <laughs> i guess but yeah. not well, really, uh, though.
1: well i mean it's good that we're letting people know about it it's not well, good the right, way it works
0: right
1: <laughs> uh there's there's a big long description on the winlink.org slash help site about why they do it this way but let me let me whitelist cheryl so what are you sending from uh at blue cows yeah Okay, so let me add you and try sending it lowercase. Okay. And I'm, I'm in... To uh, what, what account? Yeah, that's a good question. What account am I in? Hang on a second. <laughs> uh, well,
0: actually, I'll just send it to both.
1: Well, yeah, I'm in the AF0SS account right now, so. so let me go back into
3: my webmail. It probably prevents a lot of spam if you actually have a full whitelist.
1: Well, clearly. But wow, what a pain in the ass.
3: <laughs> yeah, no unsolicited emails, period no unsolicited is right i mean nobody gets to mail you <laughs> but i'm assuming that like all of winlink is is solicited so it's probably whitelist all of dot winlink.org
0: okay i just sent it to both accounts
3: okay i'm waiting to, for
1: it to it come ha- in to... it
0: hasn't bounced yet oh
1: i got it i got it yay so yeah it was the whitelist that was the issue
3: interesting
1: yeah interesting indeed the thing is, it looks like you also have to. It looks like you also have to whitelist Winlink addresses. That seems
3: less likely. I bet you they're automatically whitelisted.
1: I would think so, but I've tried to send myself messages via RF to my Winlink address, and I do not get them.
3: Oh, interesting.
1: I'm going to have to whitelist and and see if that works. Hmm. So, anyway, well, All Okay, so excellent information there. So the whitelist. Oh, by the way, where are you where are you find the whitelist? This is a good information. <laughs> Probably <laughs> people should know if you go to winlink.org slash user and go into where you can configure your winlink account on the left hand side. You have a few options. The first one is log out, then there's password change, and then right under where it says my webmail is a link where it says my whitelist. And you need to obviously put stuff in there. It appears that if I, if you send an email from Winlink to somebody, it sticks it in your whitelist. So, until you either send an email or configure your whitelist, people cannot send you email. So, there you go. And, and uh, empirically, from the data I've collected, it seems like they also deny winlink.org email addresses, which seems stupid, but... That's what I'm getting so far. I'm going to do some more testing on that. And if uh, we find out more information, we'll let you know about it on the next show. All right. That's enough about WinLink. Let's uh, get to our our feedback for tonight. Don't want all that crap over HF, so it's stopped on the short servers and not sent over the air. Okay. Well, fair enough. But the thing should definitely be able to tell whether an email was generated via HF slash RF or Internet and allow stuff via the Internet. But whatever. They've done it the way they did it, and that's the way it is. So, All right, so thanks for listening to all of that, and hopefully you get started with Winlink and Pat and all that good stuff. But we're down to the end of the deep dive, but we do have one bit of feedback. And since Cheryl hasn't really had an opportunity to talk much about anything on this show, let's go ahead and let her read the feedback.
0: Okay, so we received an email yesterday from James K5 JTB. He says, tell Bill RD, that I'm also disappointed that Eric Guth doesn't seem to understand that good intentions don't matter when poor execution and lack of contrition are the products. I gave him money as an early supporter last time. And when I was one of the people who could not participate in the live event due to the last second login changes, he told me just to watch the recorded presentation and that lots of people were able to log in to the live events. Thanks for telling your listeners about the poor service. It's validating to know I'm not the only one. James, K5JTB. And I actually answered James privately last night and apologized for the way he was treated, even though it really wasn't my spot to do that. But I feel bad because he was a paid supporter of QSO Today and he got treated badly. So yeah, that's I, I still have issues with how we were treated and I know Bill said he was gonna you know wait to see what the end result was with how everybody got treated this time before <laughs> <laughs> he proceeded any further with anything else. So we'll we'll see how that goes. but yeah I think we
3: covered it pretty clearly in the last episode. so yeah, uh, yeah we don't really need to keep beating to the dead further, horse
0: right. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure if Eric gets around to listening to that episode, if he's even listening to our stuff anymore, we'll hear from him. Well, he <laughs> is a
3: supporter of the show, so he, he is a be, supporter. Right? Yeah,
0: so, yeah. We so, assume
3: he listens every once in a while. So uh, yeah, he's he is a avid Linux user, so uh, he's definitely in our demographic for uh, listeners.
0: Right. So yet another disappointed person. So that's how QSO today seems to like oh. well
3: we don't
1: need to keep no, slamming on, <laughs> on Eric.
0: well no i know but it's it's bad when when people are treated badly
1: so yeah absolutely all right well you know what that is it that has been episode 428 we got we got through it we got through the bit of feedback we got so thanks for the bit of feedback by the way We love feedback. Send us feedback info at lhspodcast.info or one nine oh nine five four seven seven four six nine. That's right. Which is also one nine oh nine LHS show. Really easy. All that stuff, of course, is on the website lhspodcast.info. We'd love to hear from you. So send us an email. And just before we run on out of here, I want to mention the folks we had listening to us live and in the chat tonight, who are our peanut gallery and providing great information and great context and just a great chat while we were sitting here talking to you. We had Don, KC9ZMY, Ted W A Zero E I R, and Don KB2YSI. Ted was actually sandwiched by the Don's tonight. So <laughs> Ted, glad you could be part of the Don Sandwich. Anyway we hope you got a little bit of information and maybe we'll try out Winlink and pat and the other things that we've talked about all the information is going to be in the show notes if you couldn't follow along there's lots of documentation out there there's youtube videos and we're going to put out some more information with some video cues as well on the youtube channel so be on the lookout for that but we should probably go ahead and roll along thanks everybody for listening you have been listening to episode number 428 our deep dive on Pat and WinLink, and RDoP, and AX25, and a whole bunch of other stuff on Linux and the Shack. I'm Russ, k 5 TUX.
0: i am Cheryl, W5MOO.
3: And I'm Bill, in E4RD73.
2: Thank you for listening to this episode of Linux in the Shack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. The show is recorded live every Thursday at 8pm Central Time, plus or minus QRL. Connect to the live stream at urlbctsinfo Live. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page, at patreon.com/stroke LHS podcast or by using the contribute list on the homepage. Get in touch via social media. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter, and YouTube. Our IRC channel is hash NHS podcast on the Freenode network, and the Discord invite link is url.bcts.info/stroke Discord. You can also drop us an email. At info at LHS Podcast.info or leave us a voicemail at 1909 LHS show. That's one nine oh nine five four seven seven four six nine. Visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show themed merchandise. Become an ambassador and represent LHS at a local Linux convention or hamfest.